0: all right well good evening and it's nice to see so many of you here tonight and i'm excited about starting our prophecy week tonight we've we got started yesterday morning but we're going to get more into some of the actual prophecies starting tonight so i'm excited to see you here and i trust that we will all be blessed as we get deeper into the study of god's word amen I would just like to have a brief word of prayer, and then we will get into the message for this evening. Father in heaven, we thank you for the message for our time, and I pray for a special blessing as we start our prophecy series this week. This is my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why do we study prophecy as Seventh-day Adventists? What is the purpose of Bible prophecy? You know, when you study Bible prophecy, the two primary books that contain our prophetic messages are obviously Daniel and Revelation. Now, some of the other books also have prophecies as well, and as you saw from our message even yesterday, the book of Hebrews, for example, can give you some prophetic messages. But specifically, I want to zero in tonight on the book of Daniel and I want to read you a few quotes from Ellen White. This is from the book Testimonies to Ministers and Gospel Workers and I'm starting on page 112. Just a few little quotes. Here she says, Daniel and Revelation must be studied as well as the other prophecies of the Old and New Testaments. So she says they must be studied. So that's why we want to study these prophecies, right? And then she says, same page, read the book of Daniel, call up point by point the history of the kingdoms there represented. So that's what we're going to do. And then she says, the light that Daniel received from God was given especially for these last days. So the light in the book of Daniel is especially for our time right so that's why we want to study this book amen and then this is an especially powerful quote this is page 114 here again Ellen White says when the books of Daniel and Revelation are better understood believers will have an entirely different religious experience did you hear that? When the books of Daniel and Revelation are better understood, believers will have an entirely different religious experience. And then she says they will be given such glimpses of the open gates of heaven that heart and mind will be impressed with a character that all must develop in order to realize the blessedness which is to be the reward of the pure in heart. Now notice this. She says when we study these books properly, we will have a better understanding of what kind of character we will need to reach heaven. This isn't just studying about beasts and horns. Yes, there's some beasts and horns in the books of Daniel and Revelation. But those are simply identifying points in these prophetic books to get us to something more important. And that is to help us understand our prophetic identity as God's last day people. And with our identity, what our mission is as God's people. Once we understand our prophetic identity, that drives our mission as Seventh-day Adventists. Amen? So that's why we are going to be studying these books. And then the last quote that I will read before we start looking at the book of Daniel, page 116 of Testimonies to Ministers. Those who eat the flesh and drank the blood of the Son of God, will bring from the books of Daniel and Revelation truth that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now notice this. They will start into action forces that cannot be repressed. You know, when I read that quote, what that tells me is that when we bring from the books of Daniel and Revelation the truth that the Holy Spirit wants to be brought out for our time, we see that forces will be started into action that cannot be repressed. So that gets me excited about studying these books, amen? And that gets me excited about what's going to happen here this week in Princess Town, because as we as a group of people come together every night this week except thursday we will come together night by night we will see the truths of scripture from these prophetic books that by the grace of god i believe can help start into action forces that cannot be repressed leading up to the coming of jesus christ so that's what we are going to be doing this week now tonight is the prophetic overview of the book of daniel and specifically we are going to be looking at the prophetic focal point of the book of Daniel. Now, just by way of interest, for my sake, how many of you have studied the book of Daniel? Okay, a few people. How many of you, for example, are familiar with the image in Daniel chapter 2? Okay, most of you. Very good. Now, what we're going to look at tonight is a broad overview of this book and here's how we're going to start the book of daniel was obviously written by daniel who was a hebrew captive taken to babylon now daniel's parents chose a very special name for him Because do you know what the name Daniel means? The name Daniel means God is my judge. So, if the name Daniel means God is my judge, what do you think is the central focal point or the central topic of the book of Daniel? It's about judgment. Daniel is a book about judgment and the very name of Daniel. Daniel's name means God is my judge. Now what I'm going to primarily look at tonight is the the judgment scenes and how we get to the judgment in this book. But the question is, does the book of Daniel give us any insight in how we should be living in the judgment hour? And specifically, we as God's people, we are living in the judgment hour, are we not? Not? now we are the laodicean church and we're going to talk about the laodicean church on friday night do you know what the word laodicea means laodicea itself the word means a judged people so get this we are the laodicean church we are the judged people or the church of the judgment hour and the book of daniel means god is my judge it's a book all about judgment so we as god's judgment hour church certainly should be studying the book of daniel does that make sense and get this a lot of times we look at the stories in the first six chapters and we grow up as children hearing Oh, wow, Dan- or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't bow down to that image, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And wow, Daniel, he was thrown into the lion's den. And wow, Daniel, when he was first taken captive, he wouldn't eat the food from the king's table. Well, do you know what those stories are really telling us? Those stories are showing us how we should be living in the judgment hour. Here's how. Very first chapter, Daniel purposes in his heart, this is Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, Daniel purposes in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Now guess what happens after Daniel was faithful? At the end of the chapter it says God gave Daniel the prophetic gift, which means if Daniel hadn't been faithful in chapter 1, we wouldn't have the rest of the book. Then of course you have chapter 2 and we're going to get into that more specifically. Then chapter 3 comes and Nebuchadnezzar tries to get everyone to bow down to this image and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego say we will not bow down. And even if we even if our God doesn't deliver us we still won't bow down to your image. Now do you think there were some other Jewish captives that were there at that ceremony? I bet there were. So other professed people of god were there and they were unfaithful but these three boys were faithful and then by the time you get to chapter six the decree goes forth that you can only worship the king for 30 days and if you worship any other god you will be put to death and daniel if you read chapter six it says as he did before he worshiped god the same way so here's what happens daniel and his three friends in these stories they aren't asking the question in the judgment hour so to speak well will i lose my salvation if i eat the king's food or will i lose my salvation if i bow down to this image or will i lose my salvation if i stop praying openly in my window and just pray in my closet for 30 days they weren't asking that question what they were asking was will god's name be glorified by my actions and that's why the first angel's message and we'll go through those the three angels tomorrow night that's why the first angel's message says fear god give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come what that means is to give glory to god we are simply asking ourselves in any particular situation in my life i'm not asking is this a salvational issue i'm asking will god be glorified by my choice i love jesus so much that i want my life to bring glory to his name not boy what's the least amount that i can do to get by and still get into heaven i'll just do the minimum and i'll barely pass and maybe i'll make it no That's not the kind of people that God's looking for. And the book of Daniel, first six chapters show if you want to know how to live in the judgment hour, look at the lives of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God's name was glorified through their lives. Now, that gives us an idea then of how we should be living in the judgment hour. Now, let's look at the prophetic chapters the prophetic chapters are in daniel chapter 2 daniel chapter 7 daniel chapter 8 and then chapter 9 explains chapter 8 further and then you have the last prophecy which begins in daniel 11 and ends in daniel chapter 12 now just to lay a basic foundation for the prophetic chapters chapter 2 is the foundational chapter And here Nebuchadnezzar has his famous dream. And in fact, if you wonder why God gave him this dream, Daniel 2 tells us that Nebuchadnezzar was wondering, what will happen after I die and I pass off the scene? What will happen to my great kingdom of Babylon? And so God gives Nebuchadnezzar this amazing vision that shows an image that has a head of gold, chest of silver, thighs of brass, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay and of course you know the story nebuchadnezzar forgot the dream his wise men of course thought he was crazy to ask them to tell him what it was and then to interpret it but then god was able to work through daniel to give nebuchadnezzar the interpretation now in this chapter we see the foundation for the kingdoms of this world from the time of babylon all the way till the second coming And specifically in Daniel chapter 2 verse 38, Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, you are this head of gold. So we know Babylon is the head of gold. And then in Daniel chapter 5 we find that Medo-Persia replaces Babylon as the next kingdom. And then in Daniel chapter 8 we find that that Greece follows Medo-Persia. And then from history we of course know that Rome follows Greece. So here's your four major kingdoms. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And Rome can be divided into its two phases, pagan Rome and papal Rome. And if you want to know the dates of these kingdoms, Babylon was from 605 to 539 B.C. Medo-Persia was from 539 to 331 B.C. Greece was from 331 to 168 B.C pagan rome was from, from 168 bc to 476 a.d then there was a little interlude as the nations of europe strove for supremacy but in 538 papal rome gained supremacy in western europe and ruled for 1260 years until 1798 and so that gives you a basic outline for the kingdoms now here's what happens you have daniel 2 daniel 7 daniel 8 and Daniel 11 and 12, which follows the same sequence of kingdoms. Now, what's interesting is that if you study these chapters carefully, yes, there is information about the kingdoms as they come in their order, but the primary emphasis of each of these chapters is what happens at the end of the four kingdoms. That is the primary emphasis. So you know, yes, there's Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And after that, you're going to come to the very end of time. When you study each of these chapters, Daniel 2, Daniel 7, Daniel 8, Daniel 11, and 12, you find that at the end of these kingdoms, there is a slightly different event described at each of these, at the end of these chapters. Specifically, in Daniel chapter 2, a stone strikes the image. What does that represent? This stone strikes the image and then it becomes a great mountain and fills the whole earth. This is describing Jesus coming in the clouds of heaven and destroying the kingdoms of this world and his kingdom becoming the kingdom of this world. So Daniel chapter 2, the very first prophetic chapter, shows that after these kingdoms, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, Jesus will come and establish his kingdom here on this earth. However, when you come to Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 7, rather than using the elements of gold silver brass and iron and iron and clay you have a lion a bear a leopard and a dreadful beast followed by a little horn and then in verses 9 and 10 after these kingdoms instead of the second coming being described we see a description of the judgment in heaven now remember the book of daniel is about judgment And when you think of the second coming in chapter 2, you can say, yes, at the second coming, that is a form of judgment. Because all who are alive when Jesus comes will know which side they are on. And they will know where they have landed in the judgment, so to speak so daniel chapter 2 in a sense is describing a form of judgment but specifically it's describing the second coming however in daniel chapter 7 it's actually describing the beginning of the judgment in heaven now let me read these verses to you verses 9 and 10 here we read i beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. So notice what's happening here. As the judgment begins... The Ancient of Days, who is the Father, because in verses 13 and 14 we see the Son of Man, who is Christ, comes to the Ancient of Days. So here you have the Father and the Son in the judgment, and they sit down and they look at the books. Or in other words, they are going to examine the books and investigate the records that are contained in those books as the judgment begins. So, Daniel 2 shows you, here's your sequence of kingdoms. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and then the second coming. Daniel 7 says, before Jesus can come back, there has to be a judgment in heaven. You'll have the sequence of kingdoms, and after these kingdoms have been here, then there will be a judgment, And it is after the judgment that Jesus can come. Daniel 2 didn't tell you that. But Daniel 7 does tell you that. Daniel 7 tells you, see, Jesus is coming, but before he comes, there must be a judgment. Does that make sense? Okay. So when you study Daniel 7 very carefully, in fact, there is one power in particular that gets special mention you have the lion you have the bear you have the leopard you have the dreadful beast and then you have the little horn guess which guess which power gets talked about the most it ends up being the little horn the little horn gets more mentioned than any other kingdom and specifically in verse 8 of daniel chapter 7 we see that this Horn has eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. And then again, in verse 11, you see, I beheld them because of the voice of the great words, the great words which the horn spake. And then, in verse 19 and 20, he again mentions the little horn. And then, down in verse. 25 it says he shall speak great words against the most high and shall wear out the saints of the most high and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time but the judgment shall sit now here is what god is trying to tell daniel in chapter seven because there's more information in chapter seven than there was in chapter two god is saying okay in chapter two you see that God will set up his kingdom which shall never be destroyed at his coming in Daniel chapter 2. But Daniel 7 tells you there must be a judgment before his coming can take place. And the reason why there needs to be a judgment is because you have these kingdoms here on this earth and specifically you have a little horn that speaks great words against the most high wears out the saints and persecutes them for a time and times in the dividing of time and because of the activity of this little horn power against god's people i must judge them so sometimes people get scared when they think of the fact that there's a judgment in heaven but if you study daniel 7 very carefully you would say praise god for a judgment god is judging the enemies of his people they will be taken care of by god for that which they have done against god's people now daniel 2 shows that jesus will come at the end of these kingdoms daniel 7 shows that there will be a judgment that must take place before jesus can come and one of the reasons there was the need for a judgment was because of this little horn power which came after pagan rome and we already talked about the power after pagan rome was papal rome so this is papal rome that persecutes god's saints for the time times and the dividing of time which is the 1260 years and so because of that there must be a judgment for god to set things straight But then the question is, what does Daniel 8 tell us about what will take place at the end of the kingdoms? Now, Daniel 8 becomes very interesting. Daniel 8 begins in verse 3. Daniel sees a ram with two horns. And he sees that in verses 3 and 4. And then in verses 5 and onward, he sees a a he-goat. And when you jump ahead to verses 20 and 21 of Daniel chapter 8, you find that the Ram represents Media and Persia, and the goat represents Greece. Now the first kingdom represented in Daniel chapter 8 is actually Medo-Persia and Babylon is missing. Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7, Babylon was the first kingdom. So why is Babylon missing in Daniel chapter 8? Well, yes. actually daniel chapter 8 verse 1 it says in the third year of the reign of king belshazzar this is still the king of babylon and a lot of people think okay well maybe babylon's missing because it's already passed from the scene and that's a good thought but it's actually not the correct answer here's what happens in daniel chapter 8 again as you see daniel 2 shows that at the end of the kingdoms you'll have the coming of christ daniel 7 at the end of of the kingdoms you'll have a judgment which must take place before jesus comes daniel chapter 8 you also have the same kingdoms except for babylon you have me persia and then greece and then you have a little horn which represents again pagan and papal rome and after these kingdoms notice what happens in verses 13 and 14 here's daniel um, writing in verses 13 and 14 then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden under foot? And he said unto me, Unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Now how many of you have studied the sanctuary? Some of you notice here in daniel chapter 8 after the sequence of kingdoms rather than the second coming being mentioned as in chapter 2 rather than the judgment taking place as mentioned in daniel chapter 7 you have the cleansing of the sanctuary being mentioned after the kingdoms here in daniel chapter 8 and specifically it's connected to a time prophecy now, how many of you feel like you could explain, and if you can, it's okay, that's why we're here studying. But how many of you feel like you could explain the 2300 day prophecy and the beginning point and the ending point? Okay. The 2300 day prophecy is a crucial point, it's a crucial focal point in the book of Daniel. And here's what's happening. Again, Daniel 2, at the end of the kingdoms, second coming. Daniel 7, at the end of the kingdoms, the judgment. Daniel chapter 8, at the end of the kingdoms, you have the cleansing of the sanctuary, which will take place after 2,300 years. Now, this is where you can prove that the 2,300 days must be literal years. They can't just be literal days. And here's why in this vision of Daniel chapter 8 where you have these kingdoms the ram of Medo-Persia the he-goat of Greece and the little horn of pagan and then papal Rome what you have here is a vision that Daniel sees and in verse 13 the question is asked how long will this vision take place? and the answer is under 2,300 days. Now, what did Daniel see in this vision? Think carefully here. Daniel saw a ram, a he goat, and a little horn, which means that the 2,300 days must encapsulate the time period of the kingdoms represented by those three powers. Does that make sense? Daniel sees in vision a ram, a he-go, and a little horn, and then the question is asked by two heavenly beings, how long is this vision? And the answer is 2,300 days. Now, I already gave you the dates for these kingdoms, but Medo-Persia was 539 to 331. Greece was 331 to 168 BC, And then pagan Rome, 168 to 476. Papal Rome from 538 to 1798. So basically what this is telling us is that the 2,300 days would begin sometime in the kingdom of Medo-Persia, sometime between 539 and 331, and would take you all the way through the time of the little horn. So, there is no way that the 2,300 days could be literal days because that's only about seven literal years. Now, for those of you who are interested in a little bit of Adventist history, have any of you ever heard of Desmond Ford? I know, Pastor, and you've heard of him. Desmond Ford was an Adventist theologian who came along and throughout many of our beliefs with very weak arguments. Specifically, he said that the 2,300 days probably weren't years. And he said a number of other things. But all you have to do is look at this chapter and say, well, the heavenly beings are saying that this vision will last for 2,300 days, but it includes Medo-Persia, Greece, and the little horn. And that is why Babylon is missing from the vision of chapter 8. Because the the starting point for the 2300 days begin in the kingdom of Medo-Persia. So even though we were in the third year of the reign of Belshazzar, Babylon was now irrelevant to this vision. Because the vision was going to begin in the kingdom of Medo-Persia and would go all the way down to the time of Rome. Now Daniel 9 helps us to understand the starting point for this prophecy. And specifically, Gabriel tells him from the going forth of the command to rebuild Jerusalem. And if you study history, that was 457 B.C. And so if you go 2,300 years from 457 B.C., that brings you to 1844. So here is what we have now. And this is where I want to focus in on as we come closer to the end of our study for tonight. Daniel 2 shows that at the end of the kingdoms there would be the second coming stone strikes the image god's kingdom comes and fills the whole earth and we all look forward to the day that jesus will come in the clouds of heaven amen but daniel 7 says before jesus comes there must be a judgment that takes place where the ancient of days comes to the throne room and the son of man comes to meet him and they sit down and they review the books because one of the reasons why is you have this little horn power known as papal rome that persecuted god's saints for the 1260 years from 538 to 1798 and after the judgment takes place then jesus can come but then daniel 8 gives us even more information daniel 8 tells us look in order for jesus to come there also must be the cleansing of the sanctuary in heaven which begins simultaneously with the judgment and in other words the judgment and the cleansing of the sanctuary are describing the same process yes there needs to be a judgment because god's people were persecuted by the persecuting power of the little horn and the kingdoms of this earth and those kingdoms must be judged but not only that before jesus comes he must have a sanctuary in heaven that is cleansed now when you come to the new testament you come to like first and second corinthians And we read verses that say, what, know ye not that your body is the temple of God who dwells in you? And Ellen White tells us, in order for the sanctuary in heaven to be cleansed, there must be a corresponding cleansing of the sins and the lives of God's people here on this earth. So while Christ is in heaven working to cleanse his sanctuary, what he is doing is working to bring cleansing to the lives of his people here on this earth. So Daniel 7 shows us, Yes, there is a judgment, and why the judgment could begin. The judgment could begin because you see the kingdoms of this world, you see the fruits of these kingdoms. Babylon, Media, Persia, Greece, and Rome—they all persecuted God's people, and so God could finally say, after all of these kingdoms have come through history, He can say, "Okay, I think I can. I think it's fair to say that I can have a judgment. This is what happens." when the kingdoms of this world are in charge i can have a judgment but then daniel 8 shows us that there must be a cleansing of the sanctuary in order for jesus to come as well so daniel 2 after the kingdoms second coming daniel 7 after the kingdoms judgment daniel 8 after the kingdoms cleansing of the sanctuary and if you notice daniel 7 and daniel 8 that focal point is 1844 judgment began in 1844 cleansing of the sanctuary began in 1844 so you know what that means about us we are god's people living after all of these prophetic kingdoms here in the book of daniel we are living in the time of the judgment we are living in the time of the cleansing of the sanctuary. After 2,300 years from the kingdom of Medo Persia all the way to the end of when Papal Rome receives a deadly wound in 1798 to where God could set up his judgment in 1844, and here we are in 2011 living on this side of the judgment and the cleansing of the sanctuary. What a privilege! And with that privilege comes a message that we have to give to the world. Now, as I close, you may wonder, okay, well, what's the focal point of Daniel 11 and 12? And I wish that I could go verse by verse with you through Daniel chapter 11. It's a very fascinating study, which to me proves the reliability of the Bible. It goes through all these individual kings in Medo-Persia and Greece and Rome and battles that were fought and eventually it takes you to the rise of papal rome and then the last five verses take us from the time of the end all the way down to michael standing up in daniel chapter 12 verse 1 now here's the key point daniel 11 follows the same sequence of kingdoms as the previous chapters and just like daniel 8 babylon is missing and you start with me persia and then you have a development of what's called the king of the north and the king of the south i'm not going to go through all of that but when you come to the end of the kingdoms what happens in daniel chapter 12 verse 1 is that michael stands up do you know who michael is michael is the archangel And you can see that from the book of Jude. And 1 Thessalonians 4 shows us that the archangel is Christ who will speak and call forth the dead from the graves. So Michael is Jesus Christ. And at the end of the book of Daniel, after the sequence of kingdoms, Michael stands up. And what this represents prophetically is the close of probation, which takes place at the end of the judgment and at the end of the cleansing of the sanctuary just before jesus comes so if so let me just summarize it for you like this you have four prophetic chapters daniel 2 daniel 7 daniel 8 and daniel 11 which ends in chapter 12 and they all follow the same sequence of kingdoms daniel 2 at the very end you have the second coming daniel 7 at the end of the kingdoms you have the judgment daniel 8 at the end of the kingdoms you have the cleansing of the sanctuary and daniel 11 and 12 at the end of the kingdoms you have the close of probation which is in essence just before jesus comes So it's a nice little pyramid where in Daniel 2 you have second coming. Daniel 11 and 12 you have second coming. But in Daniel 7 and 8, which is in the middle part of the book, you have 1844, which tells me that what the book of Daniel is trying to impress upon us is that we as God's people, as we study these prophecies, our focus should be on 1844 to the second coming of jesus 1844 to the second coming of jesus is where prophecy is funneling us down to to help us to understand how we should live our lives just before jesus comes Yes, Daniel 2 takes us to the second coming. Daniel 11 and 12 takes us to the close of probation. And Daniel 7 and 8 shows us what needs to happen in order for Jesus to come. There must be a judgment with a corresponding cleansing of the sanctuary in in heaven. And that is where, as we get into our study of the book of Revelation, we will see that the three angels' messages will prepare us to have cleansed lives while Christ is cleansing his sanctuary so that we can be ready for Jesus to come. And here's how. First angels' message says, Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. That's 1844. The first angel's message is announcing 1844 has come. Fear God, give glory to Him. The hour of His judgment has come. It's 1844 onward and now is the time to proclaim this message to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people so that God will have a group of people who through the power of the everlasting gospel will be cleansed through his righteousness so that when probation closes, he will have a group of people who will have cleansed lives as his sanctuary has been cleansed in heaven. Does that make sense? So when we look at Daniel in an overview, from a prophetic focal point it's very amazing how God lines it all up Daniel 2 you have the kingdoms second coming is the end of that Daniel 7 you have the kingdoms the judgment is at the end of that Daniel 8 you have the kingdoms the sanctuary being cleansed is at the end of that Daniel 11 you have the kingdoms the close of probation is at the end of that and that tells us close of probation is just before jesus comes that tells you at the beginning of these prophecies and at the end of these prophecies we are reminded jesus is coming again just as surely as all these prophecies have been fulfilled jesus will surely come but in order for us to be ready for that day we must understand what the judgment is about what the cleansing of the sanctuary is about and that's why god has given given us three messages in the book of revelation the three angels messages so that we will be prepared to meet jesus when he comes and not only does it help us to be ready we have the proclamation to take these messages to every nation kindred tongue and people in an evangelistic way so that we are not the only ones who know this beautiful truth amen so i'm excited about this message And let me just remind you, as I close, what Ellen White said. Testimonies to Ministers 116. Those who eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of God will bring from the books of Daniel and Revelation truth that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. They will start into action forces that cannot be repressed. And I truly believe that as we go through the study of these prophecies this week, you're not going to come away from here just thinking, oh, I know what some beasts and horns represent now, and that would be good if you learn some of that. But you will understand, we have a prophetic identity. We are God's people that he raised up from 1844, and that means that we have a mission that, with a message that drives every purpose of our life so that the people in our community will hear this message and will be prepared when Jesus comes. So, I look forward to tomorrow night. We're going to do a similar exercise with the book of Revelation as we did with the book of Daniel. It's a little bit more complicated. Revelation's a little bit more complex. The way I would explain it is that Daniel is like doing algebra, and Revelation is like doing calculus. But if you understand algebra, then you can understand calculus. So, we just did Daniel tonight. We're going to have an overview of Revelation tomorrow night. And after tomorrow night, then we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of what I believe are some of the most important messages for us to understand to be ready for Jesus to come straight from these books. So, why don't we have a closing prayer? And then I will look forward to seeing you again tomorrow night and invite your friends. If you've been blessed by what you've heard tonight, bring them out so that more and more people will hear the message for our time to be ready for Jesus to come. So let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this prophetic message in the book of Daniel. As we are reminded that Daniel means God is my judge, and as we're reminded that Laodicea means a judged people, we are awestruck by the fact that we are your judgment, our people and that you brought us into existence at this very time because you believed that through your power you could use us to have the experience of being cleansed through your righteousness and that you would empower us to give this message to the world. So Lord, help us to surrender our lives to Christ fully so that we can share this wonderful message of truth with the world around us. Bring us back safely again tomorrow night. Thank you again for your presence with us this evening. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.